you've probably held flashlights before, right? Did you always hold the flashlight in one spot the whole time? Or as they worked their way around that machine or through the, the engine of that car, did that flashlight have to move? Because if, I, if I'm working on, let, let, let's just say I'm working in, in here. I'm working on the floor. The floor had a scratch in it. And, and, and I think the scratch is right here. And if I hold this light right here and I shine it right there, where am I going to see? I'm going to see right here, right? And if there's a scratch over yonder, a scratch over yonder, or a bad spot back here in the back, I'm not going to see it. So whenever folks is working on, on air conditioners or cars or whatever it is you may be and, and you're having to hold a flashlight, you're going to have to move the flashlight around to be able to see the whole thing. Because if you just hold it in one spot, all we're seeing is one spot. Matthew chapter number 5, we're going to pick up in verse number 14. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14. Jesus said, Ye are the light of the world. A city is set on a hill, cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it on a, under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, I want to focus on this verse number 16 just for a little while tonight. I know we've been on let your light shine for about three weeks now. But I want to look at this, this word shine tonight as a verb. Because that's what it is. As Christians, we are commanded even by Jesus to let our light shine. What happens if you turn on a flashlight, lay it down and walk away and come back a month later? Is that light still shining? Probably not. My flashlights aren't. Even the LEDs that they have nowadays, if you leave it on 24 hours a day, it's not going to last but at best a few days. So eventually that light has to be fueled up, that light has to be refreshed, that light has to be what we just went through, revived. That light has to be brought back in order for it to sustain, in order for what Brother Don preached on, in order for it to endure, that light has to be revived, it has to be refreshed, it has to be given power from somewhere to continue to shine. So that all the while that light is shining, it's working, Right? The power that's inside that flashlight or the power that, that's inside that fuse of that candle is working to produce light. It is using energy the whole time it's burning. And for us as Christians, that is the goal. The goal is for us to burn energy, for us to work, to let our light shine. And the goal of the whole thing is in this, right, is in this same verse. It said that they, let your light shine before men, before everybody else, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Because whenever people see us, they're going to think something. And I've had people think not so good things about me. And whenever they see me, I represent more than just Brad Cooper. Y'all's mom ever whoop you for trying to go out of the house dressed all wrong? Mine did. My wife even does sometimes. I had this plaid shirt that I loved to wear. It was a button-up front Magellan plaid shirt. Pretty orange and neon green. I mean, it, it, was, it was a beautiful shirt. And I had this pair of camouflage short pants that I liked to wear with it, which was just army camo looked like, and my American flag Crocs. That was my Sunday afternoon after dinner, cornhole throwing, stomping in the woods outfit. 
And you know, she never let me wear it out of, out of the driveway. It had to stop right there. Because whenever I leave the house, regardless of what I look like, I'm representing her. I'm representing my mama. And whenever somebody sees me dressed and they see me dressed all wrong, brown and black and dots and stripes, y'all know how it goes, then they, they, they're saying that that reflects back on, on whoever taught me how to do it. Whenever somebody comes out of high school, I run into a kid a, a couple of days ago. No, last night we had a cornhole tournament out at, uh, at Ben's Ford, and uh, this kid was, was trying to add up the, the numbers of the, the bags on the board and in the hole, and, and he, was, he was really struggling, and one of the men made a comment. They said, you must have went to Pine School. He said, no, I went to Franklin. He said, well, that's why you can't count. Because wherever we go to school, the, the, the amount of knowledge that we show reflects back on that school. So whenever the kid could not figure it out, he assumed that he went to Pine. He was being derogatory. He went to Pine as well. But it reflects back on that school. How well we do reflects back on that school. How well we uphold ourselves reflects back on our mom and on our parents. But more important for that for us, every one of us as Christians, it reflects back on our God. Everything that we do, everybody that we meet, everything that we see, everything that we say, every way that we hold ourselves reflects back on our God. And it took me a long time to realize that, longer than most. Because all my life, I represented God on Sunday. I wore my best at church. I didn't ever wear jeans with holes in them and tore up, cut off sleeve shirts. I didn't wear that to church. I didn't wear my fishing clothes to church. I accidentally wore a couple of times a baseball uniform to church because we were running late, didn't have to go home to change. And I sat on the back row so nobody would see me. Because I didn't want to be represented poorly. And I represented myself well on Sunday mornings. I always dressed up for church. But what I failed to see is how much I represent God everywhere else. Because everybody knew who I was. Everybody knew who my parents was. In a small place like Pine, everybody knows. But everybody also knows where you go to church at. Everybody also knows what God you serve. Everybody also knows that if you're a Christian, you claim to be a Christian, I hope that they would know that, that we're Christians. So whenever we, we go out and, and we say things that, that can be taken the wrong direction and text messages are the worst thing in the world for that. Because you can read them in any which direction and, and whenever we say things that we don't mean or, or say things being, I'm the world's worst at being sarcastic. I'm, I'm terrible. Yeah, I'm terrible about it. And, and that's just, the, that's the way I was raised in, in sarcastic humor. But sometimes in being sarcastic, I, I, I've come off as mean before. More than once, I, I've come off as cruel. I've come off as, as someone who, who represented God poorly, that particular instance. And it took me a long time to realize that I don't just represent God in church. I don't just represent God when I'm in Bible club or I don't just represent God whenever I'm, I'm right here in town or, or where people know me. I represent God everywhere. I represent God all over. And whenever we let our light shine, whenever we allow everyone else to see the Christ in us, whenever we allow everybody else to see the good in us, we're not just shining it at one spot. We're not just showing everybody, hey, look, I go to church. We have to show people all of us. 
We have to show people all of Christ that lives in us, not just the part where he saved my soul. Our testimony is a part of our witness, but, but there's more to it. The way that we live our life is part of our witness, but there's more to it. The way that we talk, the way that we witness to others is, is, is part of our testimony. It's part of our job. It's part of our commission. But it encompasses the whole thing. It's like going to school to be an electrician. And a guy walks up to you and says, what do you do? And you say, I change light bulbs. How accurate a job description is that? As an electrician, you do change light bulbs, right? But we do so much more than that. And so as a Christian, if somebody walks up to you and you say, I'm a Christian, that's the tip of the iceberg. Or if you sit down in a restaurant to pray, that's the tip of the iceberg. Our testimony is, is every last bit of our life. Every little bit of that light that touches anything and everything that shines. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5 if you still have your Bibles out. Ephesians chapter number 5. And studying through the book of Ephesians, I, I find myself wishing that I could be the Christian that Paul tried to get these people to realize that they could be. And I believe that God wants us to be today, even though it may sound absolutely impossible sometimes. Ephesians chapter 4 and Ephesians chapter 5 are two of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And they show me how much I have failed as a Christian. Paul said in chapter number 4 verse 1, to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. And, and I have not done that in my life. And I have begged God to forgive me of that and, and help me to do better going forward. But, but it's not just sometimes. We're not part-time Christians. We're all-the-time Christians. So whenever we're walking worthy of our vocation, that is every time. Heard a guy say one time, he said, you're a Christian. Whenever you're walking down the street waving at people and you're a Christian whenever you drop a hammer on your toe. You're a Christian both times. Although one time you're walking down the street, you're waving, you're being nice and sweet. Whenever you drop a hammer on your foot, it reveals the Christian that may be inside of you. Or it may reveal something else. We're a Christian all the time. Not just sometimes. To walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called is full time. Then Paul tells them how to do it. He says, with lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. But where I want to go tonight is chapter number 5. Chapter 4 tells, tells us how to be a Christian. He said that, that we have to be a... Oh, where's it at? Verse 22 in chapter 4, he said, put off the former conversation concerning the old man. Whenever we are saved, we are converted. We are renewed. Verse number 23, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 25, putting away lying, speak every man the truth. And he said in verse 27, one of my favorite verses, he says, Never, neither give place to the devil. Do you believe as a Christian you are untouchable? No, not even close. Matter of fact, I dare say that a lost person is going to get bothered by the devil less than the rest of us. Because the devil's content with their condition. He's happy with them. Stay right where you're at. But if we try to live for God, the closer we get to God, the more we live for God, the, the more we have to beg God for his protection and guidance in our life because the more the devil is going to be after us. Chapter number five, verse number one, he said, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. I walked in the house today and uh, 
I got up and went to work this morning, so when I come home, Bailey was awake, and, and I walked in, and she said, uh, she said, hey, how are you today? <laughs> she repeats it all. Everything. Every word. I was clearing my throat, and then guess what she started doing? <clears throat> she started growling just like I was. She repeats everything. She obeys almost everything. She minds so much better than my wife does, but we're not going to get off on that. Be followers of God as dear children. The simplicity of kids is that most of the time they trust their parents explicitly. I mean, they, the, the kids trust us. Bailey, she bails off of everything. And her big thing is, is, is ready, get, set, go. And she'll climb up on all sorts of stuff, wait for somebody to get close to her, and then she'll say, get set, and you better turn around. She's coming. Because she's jumped off of everything and we've always caught her. Always. Hadn't missed her yet. May happen tomorrow, but we hadn't missed her yet. Kids trust parents all the time. And I believe that that's where Paul is going is, is to have that mind of a child. Follow God with the mind of a child. He said in verse 2, he said, Walk in love as Christ has loved us, and given himself for us, and offering a sacrifice to God for sweet smell and savor. But fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness, let it not be named among you as becometh saints, nor filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. I sat in my office, I don't know, probably a year ago. I guess I've read this verse before, but I, I, I never seen it. I never paid a whole lot of attention to it. I've always tried to be a funny person. I've, I've always been humorous. I've been that way since I was this big. I told jokes on the morning announcements for Pine High School for five years. I did the joke of the day every Monday, and then on Fridays we did a redneck word of the day. Just, just humorous. Verse number four mentions two things that I find myself guilty of a lot of times whenever it is unnecessary. He said, don't give way don't have nothing to do with foolish talking or jesting, poking fun back and forth. And I believe that a lot of things are all in good fun, but remember whenever we start talking about having fun and then picking with one another, that there is such a thing as, as being wrong in that. There is such a thing as going too far. There is such a thing as we are still representatives of God. Even when we're playing, even when we're messing around, even when we're making jokes, we are still representatives of God. Let's continue to read. Verse number five, he said, For this you know that no whoremonger, no unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye partakers with them. Chapter 4 and 5 tells us how to let our light shine in this world. Paul said, don't be partakers with them. 
I heard a, a story of a missionary that went down to, to Bourbon Street in New Orleans every weekend. And he preached and he preached and he handed out tracts every weekend. All the time, nonstop. And the guy that was telling the, the, the story about it, he said that he was a, a tremendous help to at least one person because he was the one telling the story. But he said after he, he got away from that life and then began to talk to people around there, he began to realize that people saw this man in so many different ways. They saw him as the preacher who hung out on Bourbon Street. How in the world is he supposed to be hanging out on Bourbon Street? Why is he down there in amongst all of that? Whenever the Bible says, be not a partaker of this, remove yourself from the world, being in the world but not of the world, how is, is he a part of this? We must understand in our lives that, that people see us from so many different directions. And we can't even tell. Bailey come walking up to me a little while ago and she looked so cute. She had her sailor dress on and her hair was all fixed and, and she looked great from the front. But from the back, Emily could see the tag sticking out the back of her dress. So from my perspective, she looked perfect. From Emily's perspective, there was a little bit of something that needed to be changed. As Christians, that's the way our life looks to everybody else. We have to be aware of all of us. We have to be aware of our entirety. We have to be aware of the whole things. Paul said in chapter number 4, verse number 12, he said, for the perfecting of the saints. He's talking about spiritual gifts. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, to the measure and stature of the fullness of God, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. I had a conversation with a man last week. And we were talking about this, that, and the other with uh, with Jesus' crucifixion. And a man standing there having a conversation with us, he said, you know what? Everything that Jesus went through had to be awful, but he said the worst part is had to be whenever they pulled his beard out. And this man that we were standing there talking with, he's a, 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 a apostolic preacher. Uh, anyway, tremendous knowledge of the Bible. He said, uh, he said, how do you know Jesus got his beard plucked out? The man said, well, it's in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the New Testament. The words aren't in the New Testament that Jesus got his beard pulled out. It said that he turned his face to those who would pluck his beard out. But he said it never got, said he got his beard plucked out. And them two men went after it. They pulled out Bible apps. They started flipping through different translations of the Bible. You know, everybody has to use their own translation. And they started arguing and they started fussing. And, and one other guy, I was just standing there listening. I, I don't, I don't know near as much as, as a lot of them, but I'm not going to argue about things that, that I don't, uh, that I don't have my Bible for. But he turned to, a, he turned to this verse and he read verse number 13. And he said, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. And he said, until we are a perfect man, we will never understand it all. We will never agree with it all. He said at that point, we're just called to live out the rest of this chapter. He said, we're not called to argue this, that, and the other about it. We're not called to fuss and fight with each other. Does it matter to me 
in my life whether Jesus' beard was pulled out or not. The man went through hell for us. He suffered hell for us. Hell came to the cross. Does it matter if he still had hair on his face? People argue whether or not Jesus had any hair on him at all. I don't know why people argue about that. Uh, the, the question a lot of people ask, and then my grandpa was one of them, he would ask, how many nails was Jesus crucified with? Because the Bible don't say. And if that's something we're going to argue about, we must have everything else done already. We must be, well, let's, let's, let's read verse 23. We must already have a renewed mind. Verse 24, we must have already put on a new man and we must have already be putting away all this other and we must not be giving any place to the devil if all we have to argue over is how many nails Jesus was crucified with. If that's all we have to argue over, if that's all we're going to talk about, if that's where we're going to draw our line in the sand, then we have no idea the real problems that we have. Turn back, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, let your light shine full time, all the time, 100% of the time before men. Let your light shine in the world. Don't hide it. Don't, don't, don't try not to be a Christian. He said, let your light shine so that they may see your good works. There's a man at, at Bible Baptist, most of you probably know him, Brother Jimmy uh, Thomas, I think. Uh, the older man, he, uh, he sings every chance he gets. And, uh, and he, he only sings about three songs, and one of them is, I want the people to see Jesus in me. And it's a beautiful song, and it has a wonderful message to it. But he said, let the people see Jesus in me. I want to be exactly what God wants me to be. Let the people see Jesus in me. In and of ourselves, we have absolutely no power to shine any light anywhere. We don't have it. It don't exist. We can't do it, right? But whenever we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us, and that is the power of God that we are given in our new man. Now, our old man was just dirt and bones and Water, supposedly. But the new man is something different. The new man is a little bit more transparent because when the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, that light shines and we can't keep it in. The light shines and it glows. Any of you ever looked through a night vision scope or a, a thermal camera? Anything that, that, that produces heat glows. And most of them have different settings where you can change it. They can be red and blue where, where it shows the temperature or they can be uh, black or they can be white. You can change it. But, but, but the point is, whenever you look through it, you can look across a pasture and it just be solid black, nothing in it. And then all of a sudden you see a little bitty red dot out there. And that's a rabbit. You can't hide your thermal signature. You're not going to do it. Right now, everybody in here is producing heat that, because we're alive. And you're not going to hide that thermal signature. And we're not going to hide the light of Christ that lives within us. We're not supposed to. We shouldn't try to. We should try as hard as we possibly can to glow brighter. Several years ago, whenever all of the, the, the LGBTQ abortion junk started flying around, 
uh, I was watching the news one day and, and this guy, political analyst or whatever, came on. And he estimated that less than 10% of the country were in favor of abortion. As far as they absolutely 100% were passionate about it being legal. He said he estimated less than 10% were passionate about it, in favor of it, wanted it to be perfectly legal everywhere all the time, quit trying to regulate it. He said, I also, uh, I don't remember the word it was used. He said there is also less than 20% that either are or support the LGBTQ, all the alphabet letters that they use nowadays, community. Less than 20%. And most of them are saying 10% that support abortion. So grand total, you have a huge minority of people. And look what they have done in this country in the last 15 years. Look what they've done. Most of you in here is older than I am. Some of you by a lot. And you never would have thought in your day, in, in, in your lifetime, that you would have seen it legal to kill babies right up to the point of conception. And in some places, it's legal to kill them after they're born. 100% legal. It's okay. Murder is it's constitutional, evidently. Never would I have thought that two men or two women or a man and a cat would be able to be married in the United States of America. That don't make good sense. That, that, it, that it don't. You know why it's legal? You know why it's right? Because that itty bitty minority of people make a lot of racket. I mean a lot of racket. They make noise. They throw fits. They make sure everybody sees them. They make sure everybody knows who they are. I was listening to a man on the radio. It was two or three years ago. It was on gospel radio, 107.3. He was preaching. He was wrapping up his message, talking about evangelizing, witnessing, trying to, to reach other people in the world. He said, if the Christians were as passionate about advocating for Christ as the gays are, he said everybody'd be saved. He wasn't wrong. If Christians were as adamant about advocating for Christ as people are for who they're voting for for sheriff, this would be a different parish. If people sought after Jesus the way they seek after drugs and alcohol, this would be a different place to live in. But the truth is, it don't happen. It's our responsibility to let our light shine brighter. We are the minority as Christians. We are the minority as missionary Baptists. We are the minority as far as people wanting to, as far as people wanting to live the way the Christians live. Wanting to live the way the Bible says. But Jesus said to be a witness unto me. In Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, the uttermost parts of the earth. It starts at home. It branches out. He didn't say be a witness until 
you get tired. Don't be a witness until you get old. Be a witness until you get wore out. Be a witness until you disagree with somebody about something. Be a witness until it, it gets to be, you know, looked down upon in society. He said, be a witness unto me. And my prayer to God today is that, that all of us could shine our light just a little bit brighter. That I could shine my light a little brighter. No one realizing that, that we represent Jesus everywhere that we go. That we are full-time Christians. We're not part-time Christians. We don't only represent God in this church. We represent God in every aspect of our life, everywhere we go. And that Jesus said, let your light shine before men means 100% of our life. So that they can see Christ in us. And I pray that the world can see Jesus through us. While we have a verse for song, we'll ask for a verse of invitation.